Can you imagine what it must have been like to be living in Judea at that time? Can you imagine that having endured 450 years of silence, utter silence, that one day you wake up to a rumor of a voice crying in the wilderness. And you know in that moment you hear that rumor that God is again speaking. That this, in your heart of hearts, is nothing else but a prophet promised by this one. And that God himself is now on the move. Can you imagine what that would do to you? Can you imagine what that would inspire from you? There is no other explanation to account for the movement of the people of Judah in that time except for the inbreaking of the word of God. Nothing. And there was a massive movement of the people of Judah in that time. But you see, this is what happens when God's word breaks into our world. This is what happens when God's word breaks into our lives. It captures our attention. It awakens our hope. And it demands our response. No word, no response. With the word, a demanded response. The word of God is a powerful, creative word. It makes things happen. And so the people responded. They responded and they flocked to John and to our ears surprisingly stayed with John. Even as John berated them. And he did berate them. Listen to it again. You brood of vipers. <clears throat> Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. That's the task. You guys are coming because you know you've been warned. And I'm telling you, you better bear fruits in keeping with repentance. He says, he goes on, even now the axe is laid to the roots of the trees. The vine of Israel and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John preached that message to those who flocked to him. And the people stayed and listened. To us, it sounds like a slap in the face. It's not the way to win friends and influence people. 
It's not the way to grow a church. (laughs) Or maybe not. Maybe not. The reality is these folks welcomed this message. The reason they were there is because they desired more than anything else to live lives that bore fruit that would last. That's why they came. You see, every single one of us who has ever lived on this planet or ever will longs in our heart of heart to live lives that bear fruit that will last. We long to live as we were created to live, to live in the way we were created to live, to be the people we were created to be. That's at our core of our being. But the reality is we don't believe we can. We have tried so many times and failed so many times that we no longer want to touch that longing, to get in touch with that longing. And you see, it's only when the word of God breaks into our world and into our lives that that longing is rekindled. (laughs) And our hope to do what we were created to do is revived. That's the dynamic at play with the dynamic word of God. Only when that word breaks into our lives do we have this hope rekindled and we act on it. No word, no act. No word, no hope. But with the word, the possibilities are endless. It is the word of God that awakens the hope of God within each and every one of us and then demands that we act. They not only responded to John, they not only welcomed what he said, they asked him to teach them how to live. And the wonder is John did. It's not rocket science. He just says, that Torah, that law of God that God gave to you, live it. (laughs) Read it. But now because God's word has broken into your life, you have a hope of doing so. That's what he's saying to them. Take this word now, having received this, this word, this invitation from God, and act on it. You can do this. It's there. And they welcomed his instruction. But John did something more than even that. He did something probably more important than that. He also pointed them towards one who was yet to come. The only reason that this word has come, the only reason that he had been stirred up to baptize, the only reason that he had been stirred to teach these people is to prepare them for this one. You can understand why when he says, here's how he says, says, look, I baptize you with water. That's what I'm doing. 
That's what I've been called to do. Uh, it's only preparatory. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. He who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I can't even fall at his feet and touch his shoe. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the climax of John's message. I have been commanded to rise up and cry out in the wilderness. That crying out has attracted you, this people of God. I am teaching you now to get ready for one who is yet to come. And when he does, he will finish the job. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And because only when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire will you be able to do what you're created to do. That you will be able to bear, live lives that bear fruit that will last. That's his message. And that's what he was teaching them. But note again what he says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Not the Holy Spirit or fire, right? We tend to think that because we're baptized with the Spirit, we get to avoid the fire, right? John says no. It is both and, not either or. Do you understand it? Do you understand that you must be baptized with both the Spirit and the fire? That every single one of us who has ever lived will have to go through the fire at the end of the age. Every single one of us, regardless whether we've been baptized with the Spirit or not, we're all destined for the fire. And that should change our lives. Do you understand it? See, this is not just a teaching of John. Uh, it is really the foundational understanding of the New Testament. You read through the epistles, Paul, John, or Peter, uh, and you will find this over and over again. Peter says this once, and this is actually the clearest, I think, in the New Testament. In the second epistle, third chapter, Peter is talking about those who are scoffers, who are basically saying, where is this day that you speak about? This day of resurrection, this day of judgment. Uh, and so he responds by saying this, they, those scoffers, deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water, by the word of God. He goes back to the story of creation, Genesis 1 and 2, and he says this, this is obvious, guys. Everybody knows this. 
we might not, but he says everybody, I'm assuming, knows this, that when God created, he created with water and through water. That's just what God does when he creates. That's why John came baptizing, because he was beginning the new creation. Water is always what God uses to begin afresh, to start something new, to create. It's always with water and through water, by the word of God. That's the way God begins. It's not the way he ends. Peter goes on to say this, but by the same word, Notice again, the word of God. The heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. Being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Peter assumes that his readers understand these two basic facts. That God begins with water. God ends with fire. He begins to create through water. He perfects what he's created through fire. Got to go through the fire. And the reason for the fire is really quite simple when you think about it. The ends that God has for us, the telos of his purposes, is to unite us with himself in the new heavens and the new earth. And remember how the epistle to the Hebrews describes this God that we are to be united with? Our God is a consuming fire. That's who he is. If we are to find our end in the glory of God... We have to go through the fire, which is the glory of God, in order to be united with this one. It is a good thing to go through the fire. It is the only way that we come to our destiny. And the Holy Spirit is given in order to take us to and through that fire to unite us with it. That's why it's important. That's why it's vital. Well, John was all about the fire, right? Uh, Cutting down trees and throwing them into the fire is one way he was saying it, Uh, but he was all about the fire. He seemed a little fuzzy about the spirit. The only other story we have of John is when he was in prison, uh, he was confused by what Jesus had been doing with his life because there was no fire, (laughs) none. And so he sends his disciples to him to ask the question, are you the one or do we look for another? Because again, he wasn't seeing the fire of God judging and cleansing the people of God. And Jesus in essence said, John, Calm down. I am here first to baptize with spirit. That's what I'm about. I am here to do what needs to be done so that my spirit may be poured out upon all flesh. So that they can go through 
the fire. You see, I am here living the life you were called to live, but cannot. And I'm living it gloriously. I am here to take this glorious life and to offer it as a sacrifice for sin in order to free and forgive those who are sinners. And I'm coming expecting to be vindicated and exalted by my Father who is in heaven, the consuming fire himself, that I might be united with him, raised and exalted to his side, so that I can pour out my spirit upon those who respond to my call. I am here first to baptize with fire so that you may indeed be able to be baptized, or with spirit, so you can be able to be baptized with fire and come through it to your glorious end. That's what I think Jesus is doing in the rest of the Gospels, and that, I think, is what he was saying to John. It truly is both and, not either or, but it's first the spirit before the fire. And see, here's the bottom line of Advent, the bottom line of the Christian faith, right? Apart from the Spirit, we should be terrified by the fire, and rightly so, right? With the Spirit, we should be eager for the fire, and gloriously so. Do you see the difference? If you and I have been baptized with the spirit of the living Christ, we should be eager to be baptized with the fire of God. Whoa. That's the message, I think, of John. So what does that look like? What does it mean to be eager for the fire? Well, I had a looking for, again, illustrations for this. And I found myself, again, reading in the context around our epistle reading today. Um, Paul's letter to the Philippians, who is talking again about how we are to live now in the light of all that is to come. But just before he gets to that passage, he talks about a simple orientation of his life. And I found myself captured by it. He is talking about the resurrection of the dead, that uh, our attainment of the glory of God having come through the fire because he believes again in the fire of God. And he's saying, look, this is the end to go through the fire into the resurrection to inherit the very body of Jesus, the risen transcendent Jesus. That's my goal. But here's what he says to this. He says, look, not that I have already attained this, the resurrection body, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. That's his orientation in life. I am so captured by that vision of what is to come that I press on in the present moment to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus himself has made me his own. 
His word has incorporated into himself. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's his orientation. Knowing that he has received the very spirit of God, knowing that he will, his destiny is to pass through the fire and into the resurrection, he presses on towards it. And he says, I want to leave behind everything that will not pass through that fire. Everything. And I want to grasp even here and now all the things that will. Forgetting what lies behind Embracing and stressing and straining towards what will last. He says, that's the way to bear fruit that lasts. It's that longing for what is to come that comes only through the fire, directed and enabled by the Spirit. Is the way we are to live our lives. If we have been baptized with the Spirit, we need not fear the fire. If we have been baptized with the Spirit, we should long for the fire. Long for it here and now, as well as then and there. So what do we do with this? How do we take this and make it our own? I would suggest two things. I challenge myself as much as I challenge you on these two things. Two things that seem to go together with John's message. The first is this. We need to constantly ask God to have the word of God break into our lives, to awaken our hope for glory, right? No word, no hope. No word, no energy to act towards hope. The longing we need only comes when the word of God breaks into our eyes. So ask God for that to happen, and then set your life up in a way that allows it to happen. Commit to opening that word. Asking God to speak through that word. And you will find your longing to go through the fire increases. That's the first thing. The second is this. If we have been baptized with the Spirit, we need to open ourselves to the work of the Spirit. And the work of the Spirit is not just in directing our lives, it is in purging our lives, purifying our lives. In fact, the leading of the Spirit is always to the fire. Right. To open our lives to the Spirit is to embrace a way of life, which is the way of Repentance. 
being open to be shown the things we need to leave behind in order to embrace the things that will last. We need to cooperate with the Spirit by committing ourselves to repentance as a way of life. Awaken the longing, commit to the way, and we shall be led to glory. If you're looking for an easy way of doing it, I suggest the one that I have been using for years is to go back to David's Psalm 139, the last two verses. I think we need to pray this daily. Listen again to these words of David and make them your own. At the very end of this very long psalm, as he reflects on his life, and it's a wonderful psalm, go back and read it, 139. He says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. David says, read me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's a man who is embracing the way of repentance. There is a man who understands that the gift of the Spirit is to take him through the fire. And he says, I'm ready now for that fire. Reveal to me and purge me of the things I must leave behind that I may attain the glory that is yet to come. Two things. The word of God that awakens our longing and then the wisdom of God to cooperate with it. Those two things. Holy Spirit and fire leads to glory. Let us pray. I'm going to invite you to stand with me.